All right, Matt, we're back again. Uh, some disappointing results from this past weekend, but we will get into that. We are, we are going to be having Hunter on as a guest uh, later in the pod, so stick around for that. And we'll talk all things UH with him, you know, basketball. If we have time, maybe some baseball stuff we can get into because, you know, that season started as well. But we'll save all that stuff for when we have Hunter on. We got a lot of news, actually, to talk about. It was a busy week uh, in the NFL. You know, a lot of signings, trades, stuff like that. Um, not much from the Cowboys, but you know what? We'll get into that first. Oh, gosh, uh, don't remind me. We'll start uh, with the NFL today. And I guess the big one, or actually, there were, there were quite a few big ones going on. But the story uh, throughout the offseason so far has been around Lamar Jackson. Right. What are the Ravens going to do with him? Are they going to give him the contract he wants? Is he going to accept it? Ask for a trade, hold out. And we finally got an answer from the Ravens, at least. So they end up pretty much franchise tagging him, right? More or less. So it was only a, what, $36 million tag, I believe. Like, I think it was, yeah, 36, 32 million, maybe. Because yeah, it, it was under Pretty 40. small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty the small. Would, yeah, small for what you would think a uh, former MVP might, uh, you know, demand there. But if we're being, you know, honest, I don't think anyone knows still what Lamar is going to do, right? The I think he's still dissatisfied with the contract and you know, it's going to get a little dicey for Lamar now because it sounds like at least what the reports are saying that not a lot of teams are calling up to go get Lamar, which is crazy to me. Right. I don't know if it's the price he's asking, like these owners don't want to pay for that, but former MVP, he's only 26 years old. Right. He's a winner, and I mean, the one maybe knock you can make is that he's starting to get banged up, nicked up just a little bit more frequently than he had before. But still, I mean, 26, he still looks great when he plays. I don't really understand what is going on with Lamar Jackson right now, but I think he deserves to be on you know, a good team and is a playoff caliber team and i'm just a little you know shocked that the ravens are not willing to to pay for lamar but uh what i don't know matt they they don't they don't want to pay deshaun watson money that that's literally what it comes down to for you can say an injury prone quarterback because we all know lamar jackson is not a patrick mahomes or you could even say like a tom brady he's gonna kill you from the pocket Right, Lamar Jackson, he relies on his legs. That's what makes him special. So with that comes a lot of risk, a lot of vulnerability, and a lot of uncertainty. And that's something that the Ravens don't want on their plate, being stuck with a big contract with an injury-prone quarterback. So I kind of understand where they're coming from, but I also see the side that Lamar Jackson is trying to make. Like 
I want an MVP. You guys are nothing without me. Look at what you guys did this season without me. You guys barely could score 15, 16 points a game, right? You had Lamar in the playoffs versus the Bengals. I say they win that game with with Lamar instead of Tyler Hundley, who, by the way, was a pro bowler, but I don't know if that really means anything anymore. <laughs> but we'll I just does. think, okay, Snoop Hundley, congrats. But I just think this, for other teams, and I'm going to specifically name one team, and we're going to talk about them later in the pod too, but the Panthers. The Panthers, to me, are the team that kind of doesn't make sense here. So we obviously, we're going to talk about this, but they make a big trade, you know, a couple days ago. They give up two first-round picks. Now with the Ravens giving up, or excuse me, tagging Lamar with that exclusive franchise deal, that means that if another team signs Lamar and the Ravens don't want to match him, they get two first-round picks. So you're telling me if you're Carolina, you just gave up multiple picks, you wouldn't want Lamar Jackson on your team versus a, a rookie quarterback that's not proven? I don't know. That That's just something that I would think about because at least I know I'm getting an MVP player in Lamar Jackson. Maybe Bryce Young, maybe one of these younger quarterbacks might be great. <laughs> but the key word is they might be great. You don't know. So it shocks me that teams like Carolina, Atlanta, desperately needing quarterbacks, aren't trying to make a bigger push for Lamar. But I also see this as a, a very genius and shrewd move by the Ravens because they're basically telling Lamar, who does not have an agent, he's doing all this negotiation on his own, and they're basically telling him, go test the market. Go see what you got out there because we don't think anyone's going to bite. And right now, I think the Ravens are slowly winning winning that war a little bit, kind of tugging him back slowly. But a very unusual contract situation that I think it's going to be really ugly this year. Let's be honest. I don't think any team's going to sign Lamar. I don't know what you think, but I think he's going to have to accept that franchise deal this year. I think he might. And, you know, because I heard he was getting, he would have been guaranteed pretty good money, just not the Deshaun Watson type of contract, right? And I think it's hard when you look, if I'm Lamar Jackson and you see what Deshaun Watson, you know, how he played this year, even though it was limited, he wasn't with the team and whatnot, but didn't look great, right? Didn't look like the same Deshaun Watson of old. And if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm saying, hey, I've won an MVP. You can look at my winning percentage when I play games. It's like top five winning percentage of all time right and you know i deserve to get paid for my services but at the same time i do understand the ravens it's a business and i think they're like you said they're winning the war right now and i think lamar is just gonna have to come down and either play a prove it um kind of contract like an aaron judge type of situation or, you know, uh, settle for one of the longer term contracts, which is still really good money. I think it would be like top three quarterback money anyway. It might not be the Mahomes is like esque deal, but it would still be really good money. And 
I don't know. I think sometimes you got to think if, right, you take that gamble, it doesn't work out, then there's no way you can ask for any more, right? At least you get the guaranteed money. But I mean, it's, it's hard for us. It's, I mean, it's easy for us to say, right? Like, Lamar, just go take the 150, whatever, you know, million dollar guaranteed money. But we're not the ones actually out there going through what, you know, he does on the field. But I'm I'm typically more pro player, especially in the NFL. So that's why I really don't have a problem with Lamar going out and trying to get this money. I'm just worried, like, for his, you know, future that doing this doesn't, you know, tarnish or or hurt his future at all. That That's the only thing I would say to Lamar, but. Seems like he's he's confident and willing to negotiate himself. So hey, props to him. And if he can live with whatever the outcome is, you know, from the situation, I think that's that's all you can do uh, for Lamar Jackson. So, um, yeah, let's get to what you brought up earlier though with the whole um, Carolina situation, because I am right there with you. You know, so they gave up a haul or the Chicago Bears pretty much got a haul, I should say, for that number one pick. Shout out to the Houston Texans, by the way, for... Uh, Lovey Smith. Shout out to Lovey Smith for getting, you know, the Chicago Bears that pick. But, you know, if I'm the Chicago Bears, I am ecstatic about this because me and you, Matt, we're already big Justin Fields fans before the season started. We, You know, like even before this breakout year he had, we were talking about, you know, we both saw the potential in him from his rookie year alone. So we were always big Justin Fields believers after this year. You know, it was a little bit easier to solidify that. And now you commit to him. You commit to him being the guy you can build around him, build an offense around him with those picks. And they get DJ Moore as well, like an already proven That's the wide receiver one. For the trade. Um, You know, he's put up numbers in carolina with sam darnold and um you know pj walker last year as well all these quarterbacks coming in and out and he's still you know hovering around that thousand yard mark every year of his career so a proven guy proven number one actually and you know we saw kind of the same situation where carolina well i'm sorry i hate to say this matt but you know dallas right with amari cooper did not see the value in keeping around a proven wide receiver one guy, letting him go for a fifth round pick. Right. And, um, you know, in this situation, I, I kind of feel like it's a little bit of the same situation here. I don't know why they're moving off such a proven guy already. I mean, he's maybe not as good as Amari, right. But definitely a guy that is reliable. And now Justin Fields can add that to, you know, his arsenal of weapons. And, uh, they use these picks to build around him. I think Chicago's putting themselves in a really good position for the future. And, you know, to top it off, they've been pretty active in the free agent market as well, uh, getting some big signings on both sides of the ball. So I kind of like what Chicago, what's happening in Chicago. And with all the turmoil around Aaron Rodgers, you know, Minnesota is always going to be up in there. That division is kind of there for the taking. We know Detroit's you know, going to be there probably now a little bit more of a contender. But, hey, if I'm a Chicago Bears fan, kind of like where uh, it's going. In. And on the flip side, you know, Carolina, like you said, surprised they're not making a move for, 
you know, Lamar Jackson, because it's a two first anyway, but like you said, a proven guy versus a project or even, you know, I don't think any of these quarterbacks besides maybe Anthony Richardson has the physical tool upside of a Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, maybe Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, more accurate in the pocket type of thing, but you know, Lamar has is like the fight, like the ideal quarterback. He's like the right-handed Michael Vick on the field. So, um, you know, I, I do like the move though. If they believe in Fra- the thing is they have Frank, Wright. He's a big quarterback developer, right? He's no- known for that. And so I think I, I get putting the trust in him, but that, that, that was a lot to give up. So they, they can't miss with that, that first pick. Yeah, I think you you pretty much nailed it with the analysis. The bear, I think the Bears fleeced him. But they, how did the Panthers not get like some kind of pick off of that? Like you get the number one, maybe you get like a third or fourth round pick in return. I don't know, just something another pick. I just think they just didn't get enough back, and the Bears, they're sitting pretty with with obviously the pick swap this year and next year's first round pick. I'm pretty sure we could safely say that right now, Carolina, even with the first pick, and they're going to get, I'm assuming, a rookie quarterback, probably not going to be one of the greatest teams either. So they're, the Bears might get a top five pick in next year's draft, and that they might have a good record too. They're getting that Carolina pick, so they are sitting pretty. But I think the DJ Moore trade or the DJ Moore addition in the trade is what makes this it just wow to me for the bears so this is huge because you have darnell mooney a guy that you were really high on for fantasy purposes but i think he's still a solid receiver yeah i think so as well well maybe not a number one maybe he's just not a number one but i do think he's got potential to be maybe a quality number two for sure i think a solid number three they also have chase claypool right a guy who we know has the talent. Maybe he's not a number one, but we saw what he had kind of done in Pittsburgh with Deontay and Juju, right? He can kind of play a complimentary role. So I think with DJ Moore, kind of, you know, he's the wide receiver one now. Takes a lot of pressure off the other guys too. And you also have Cole Clement, who's maybe he's not Travis Kelsey, but a solid, solid tight end in this league. I don't think anyone would really complain about that. So you know, kind of putting all these pieces together, Justin Fields has got got some things going here with his his skill position. So I think Carolina, excuse me, Chicago did a very nice job on that. And obviously they're going to add a lot more with their draft picks. But on the flip side, if I'm a Panthers fan, I'm a little worried because I'm hearing a lot of rumors of different names. And for some reason, it's not Bryce Young. It's just, I truly just don't understand. I'm a huge Bryce Young fan. I think everybody can kind of realize that. But how are they not considering him? I hear a lot of talk about CJ Stroud, who's, I think he's got the physical tools more than Bryce Young. And to be honest, I I wouldn't be upset with that pick. But if they take Anthony Richardson, that to me is like, you're going to get fired if you're a front office guy and this guy doesn't turn out to be the dude. Like He needs to be Lamar Jackson at worst. 
or else Patrick Mahomes-esque because look at what you're giving up. And you're not going to be able to get anything to build around him. You traded away your wide receiver one. You have no picks or high draft picks the next two years. So if you take a project in Anthony Richardson, what is he going to do? You're leaving him with nothing. <laughs> so I'm just a little concerned with what Carolina is doing. Um, it's a it's it's a very risky move to me, and I, I'm not comfortable with that at all, especially with the guys that they're considering taking with that first pick. Well, we'll have to see how it all pans out. Maybe Frank Reich is the ultimate QB whisperer, and we'll figure out whoever they draft. But sounds like it's not going to be be uh, Bryce Young. I don't know. You're right. He had Carson Wentz. He's 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 such a great great guy with the quarterback. Okay, but think about it, Matt. He turned Carson Wentz into an MVP. After Carson Wentz did not have Frank Reich, how did Carson Wentz's career turn out? Like really, th- right? You know, think about. He that. had Frank Reich in Indianapolis. Okay, but and he he had a good season. That no, was, he did it. Actually, was, you're right. He did. He had a good <laughs> regular season. Didn't you know? Couldn't put it together when it mattered those last two games, but. Had That's a pretty <laughs> okay, right? But I'm just speaking of in terms of a coach doing his job to develop a quarterback, right? You saw the MVP Carson Wentz after Frank Reich. It you know the rest is your favorite player on the other team. So I that is one thing I'll have to say, and which which is why I think they're they're gonna take Anthony Richardson. I don't know. I just think they're gonna do it. He just likes the big quarterbacks, Andrew Luck. Carson Wentz, I, that's just what I think. Um, anyway, we got a bunch of other trades to get to, so we'll get to some of them now. Uh, staying in the NFC East, the Giants get Daniel Jones and tag Saquon Barkley. Great for the Giants that they get to tag Saquon. You know, he does have an injury history, as good as he is when he does play. Uh, it's now what I believe his fifth going into his fifth year in the league now. And we all know the story of running backs. It's just kind of inevitable how their careers uh, turn out at this point. So I think that's a good move by them. Kind of surprised Saquon, you know, is content with taking that. I would kind of ask for more if I was him, even though, you know, kind of an injury-prone history there. But the real shocker to me, Daniel Jones, getting the four years, $160 million deal. And... I I mean I get it if I'm a Giants um you know front office person who else are you going to really go out and be aggressive with at this point he's been there he knows the offense but I'm still not completely sold on Daniel Jones just yet he had one great year Brian Dayball but you know at a certain point it becomes about okay we have a pretty good guy it's like a Kirk, classic Kirk Cousins syndrome right like Kirk <laughs> He he it's can do one. his he can do his job and he'll win you games, but can he win you the game? Can he make the play? Will he lead the drive when your team needs it? And I just I'm not quite sold on Daniel Jones yet. I like him. I think he's he played much better this year, and his legs are now a new factor that you know Dayball kind of unleashed this year. Um, but I'm still not quite sold. And four years, hundred sixty million dollars. I think that's probably a little bit too much uh, if I'm the Giants, but I guess they kind of had no choice because, you know, Daniel Jones went out and gave, took him to the playoffs. But, yeah, 
this isn't this out wouldn't be a it's not a huge deal to me this signing yeah as a cowboys fan i'm wouldn't say happy i was hoping they lost saquon but daniel jones not a guy that scares me at all and i think the funny thing is this contract the four years 160 mil i think that's the exact same amount that dak prescott is making same same amount of years same amount of money so i don't know maybe at this at the end of this contract i might want daniel jones because right now i'm you know, kind of having a falling out with my quarterback. You know, we're not on good terms, so I we're trying to work it out. You just said that you'd rather have done. You you might want Daniel Jones. That's crazy. Honestly, I don't know. Like with with the way Dayball kind of developed him this year, you know, unleashing him, trying to make him more of a game manager, but also kind of you know using him like Josh Allen in terms of the legs. So I don't know, but Daniel, I gotta say, Daniel Jones. Maybe not against the Cowboys, but overall, this past year, he did take care of the ball. He did. That was he a did. big problem and before. That's, that's what did my guy do? He, oh, yeah. He led, he led the league in turnovers you're, and he missed. You should have gotten a quarterback guru coach or whatever. That's that's what you your team needed to do. But my owner just needs to wake up. Like, <laughs> does he not know that free agency started? Like every well, year with this guy. Okay. Speaking of, since we're speaking of our teams, my team that is now, I guess, by default, the Miami Dolphins have been very active this free agency. And so we'll start with our quarterback, of course. So they picked up to his fifth year option. So he's now guaranteed to play through the rest of this year and the following year. I think it's smart for both sides at this point. You know, if Tua had been healthy and played the whole year, get them to the playoffs. His his asking price would probably be a little bit higher. I'm I'm assuming, right? But he his camp realizes the injury situation going on. Miami understands it as well, but they also saw how productive Tool was, and you can't really deny how productive he was when healthy in this offense. Um, you know, they got Vic Fangio in on the defensive side of the ball, hoping for an improvement there. So I I just think that the Tua thing, the Tua. Uh, fifth year option pickup just makes sense. You know, they weren't good at they weren't comfortable paying him the long extension now, but Tua now has two years. And I really think if he just balls out this year and can play let's say four even 14, 15 games, like 15 we'll say, uh, let alone the whole season, I think you know he'll do pretty well for himself. Uh, the other big one we got, Jalen Ramsey. I think, you know, I was not so high on Jalen Ramsey throughout the year. Um, but with the system that Fangio is going to bring in, sounds like going to play a lot more zone. And Jalen Ramsey throughout the year, you know, we were kind of saying whenever we watched him play, he's getting burned and, you know, he's, but, you know, pro football focus graded him as a third best corner in the league. And he still played really well in a zone scheme. So you, you know, you put him across X, those guys can kind of move, uh, share the burden, I guess, because now the AFC, right, all these tandems of wide receivers, you look at the Bengals, um, for example, you know, teams are stacking up a receiver now. And now we have two pro bowlers, two all pro guys uh, on the outside. If Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips can stay healthy, 
that defense is going to be, I think, a problem for people. It just adds another element to worry about for Miami. And, you know, another pretty underrated, but I think big signing is we get Mike White from the Jets <laughs> to be our backup. That's and a good one. I, I mean, I thought Teddy did a pretty good job, but even Teddy in the limited games he played couldn't stay healthy, right? And, you know, we had to go with Skylar Thompson in against the Bills. And he did a hell of a job, but, I mean, he was a seventh-round rookie and kind of looked like it, you know, in that playoff game. Or, yeah, sorry, that, that playoff game. So, um, I don't know. I think Mike White has proven that he can be a solid guy and, you know, guys play for him. So I'm guessing he's a pretty good locker room guy. I like the signing. I'm really happy. And we take him away from the Jets. Uh, cause who still knows about the quarterback situation? We'll get to that a little bit. But right now, it's Zach Wilson, right? Um, so they have Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco on roster currently. No more Mike White. We take him away. I think that's a huge plus. So I'm really happy of how Miami is approaching free agency so far. Been aggressive, and I don't think we're done. Uh, sounds like some names still floating out there. Jordan Poyer from the uh from the Bills, a big one. Looking at sounds like a running back might be out there. Uh, Derrick Henry, they're saying. I don't know how realistic that is. Uh, but if I think they're looking, I'm there's a bunch of names floating out there, but I think they're gonna try to get one more uh middle or inside linebacker, you know, during this free agency period. And I think it's like that's a home run. And if we can get a guard or an offensive lineman as well in the draft. It'll be like a perfect off season, and uh, I'm I'm not gonna jinx it just yet. But so far, I've been really pleased with the with the Dolphins. So I've been pleased, Matt. Uh, why don't you tell me how you feel about your team with the uh, the free agency signings? Because the only you know signing that has been around the Cowboys has actually been losing a player to the Bills. That's uh. Connor McGovern, I believe. And yeah, I know you you liked him, so that must be it. So far it's only night you've only had a loss. There's no been no additions at all. Um I don't know, Matt. What's what's Jerry waiting for? You tell me. Uh do you have his number? Like can I can I call him? Like can I tell him to wake up? You know, just kind of remind them, like, hey, do you know that the NFL free agents period started today? And a lot of these contenders are already making moves. Kind of seems like a trend every year, you know. But honestly, as a Cowboys fan, you just kind of get used to, to the pain of free agency. Probably the only good news that I've at least heard some whispers about is Bobby Wagner. They've been in touch with him. I know Seattle is kind of trying to get in touch with him as well for a union. But my wish list, I guess you could say, Probably the only thing we have right now is Tony Pollard on the franchise tag, but we we need we need some splash. We like that's how you win Super Bowls. You can't just rely heavily on the draft or vice versa. You can't just rely and try to buy everyone in free agency, right? You gotta have a mix of both. So how we Jerry, I I gotta say, for the most part, I think he does a great job drafting. But we got to get into this other aspect, the free agency that look at what the Eagles did last year, <laughs> right? You, they have a core that they drafted Jalen hurts, Devonte Smith, 
you know, Fletcher Cox, all these guys that they drafted, but they had big additions. They got Darius Slay. They got AJ Brown in a trade during free agency. So we needed some of those guys. So, or guys that are at that caliber. So Bobby Wagner would be perfect. Would be perfect. Honestly, he's going to be cheap too. Yeah, I, I think so too. And he would fit perfectly because his old coach is our DC who's coming back for another year. So another blessing for us that we get to keep DQ. So I think Bobby Wagner, he could replace Van Der Esch, who's a free agent. So that's a spot that's open. But the the key for me is wide receiver. I'll, I, I should, I, maybe I'll go back a little bit. The Jalen Ramsey thing, I'll touch on this a little bit. We like we do need a corner, and I know his asking price and his contract is very big. It's very large. But look at what you gave up. Look at what Miami gave up. A third mm-hmm. third round pick for an all pro corner. A third rounder in, and I believe our prime. backup tight end, Hunter Long. So yeah, yeah he's only he's still only twenty eight. He's still only twenty eight <laughs> yeah. years old. In NFL years, he's right in the prime of his career. He's got a solid, you could say just based off of age, three, maybe four years of prime football. So, and he's under, you only have him for two years. So, I don't know. You you can just take him for two years and cut your losses after. So, Jerry, like, what what is a third-round pick going to do? You really think we're going to draft a third-round pick that's going to be as good as Jalen Ramsey? I don't think so. Like, what... (laughs) I don't get it. I, I, I'm I'm speechless. I, I truly am. I don't know what why we wouldn't even make an offer. Like if they're okay, Miami gets a third. Maybe the Rams are trying to play hardball, whatnot. Give up a second. <laughs> I'm I'm sure the Rams would have took a second round pick and a tight end. We got a lot of tight ends. We can give them Hendershot or Ferguson. I would. <laughs> but you know, that's Jerry. But let me let's let's go to the receiving part because this is what we desperately need because we all realize that in the nfl you need skill position players to win on the offensive side of the ball and what did we do last offseason we traded away our number one receiver for a fifth round pick and we haven't recovered since so i'm looking at guys d hop that one's a little bit of a stretch because of the the money but the guy that i'm going to look at at least and Jerry is at least kind of talking to him is Odell. Now is the time you go back to Odell. You don't have to give up draft picks. Let's see where he's at. You know, you got to go to bidding war with him. I don't think teams are going to plunge too big with the injury history. So I'm trying to target Odell Beckham Jr. and Bobby Wagner. That's the two guys I would say you got to get those guys back. I'm not even going to talk about the guys that we need to resign that were on the team last year. Like we need to add pieces that weren't on our team last year in free agency. That's how we're going to make a splash in free agency. And I'm not too worried about Connor McGovern, to be honest. He's a solid piece. Um, I liked him personally. He's better than the other Connor that we lost. I will say that. Hey, Connor two years Williams ago was a stud this year, man. I, he, Guess what? I don't care. He was bad with my team, so I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I wish him luck, but I don't care. <laughs> but yeah, I think we replace him with 
a better year two of Tyler Smith. Tyron Smith, I hope, will come back and be healthy somewhat. We got Zach Martin. Terrence Steele, I think we'll get him back this year. I know we have the the tenure on him. But we got pieces at the line. And Biotish, our center, made the Pro Bowl. So we've got we got some guys up front. So, you know, we can add, I think, in the draft in that in that aspect. But Odell, Bobby Wagner, that's the two guys I'm targeting if I'm Jerry. All right. Well, we'll we'll just have to wait and see, as usual, on on Mr. Jones. Wait and see. Um, There's been plenty of other action, and we'll kind of wrap up this segment here uh, with the other big news. So go a little quicker. Javon Hargrave goes to the 49ers. Four years, $84 million, $40 million guaranteed. I think pretty deserved. He was a standout uh, player for them. This past year, um, you know, the 49ers, I mean, the rich get richer kind of at this point. They're still looking for, I think, a quarterback on the other side of the ball. But, I mean, the defense was already a top defense in the league. Now you add Javon Hargers. It, yeah. yeah and they that, take him away from the rival or mm-hmm. a contender in Philadelphia. So, very smart move. And with how weak the NFC is is going to be looking, uh, at least just, you know, quarterbacks relative to the AFC, right? All the, you know, defensive pieces are going to start to matter. Um, But since we'll stick with the 49ers, they pick up Sam Darnold one year. Kind of interesting. I would love to hear what Micah has to say about that. But I don't know. He's not happy. He doesn't like Sam Darnold. So does, but is Sam Darnold the stopgap guy? Is he a backup guy? Uh, He's got to be the backup. They got Purdy and Trey Lance. So Purdy is out for the is not playing this year, right? Um, no, he he's coming back. I think. Oh, he is. I thought they said he's he's out for the year. I thought he was coming back for like camp. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. I think so. Because I thought, and even regardless, they still have Trey Lance. I right. think you you're gonna play him regardless because you drafted him. And it's interesting because I not been hearing good things coming out about Trey Lance, right? Even going back to last year, but they're kind of, you know, not stuck with him, but they're going to roll with Trey Lance. Uh, Sam Darnold, I think, you know, could, could be a solid guy for a couple games. You know, we know he has good potential and uh, the Shanahan system, I think is a big benefit. If you learn that system pretty well, you, you can, you can thrive as we've seen. But I think that's a good that's a good pickup for the Niners, honestly, because look at their quarterbacks. Look how decimated they were with injuries. So even if he's your third string quarterback, I would take him as a third string quarterback. A solid, a solid guy who can win you a game or two for sure. Yep. Um, or what else? Patrick Peterson goes to the Steelers. Pretty solid move. I think, you know, to he's a veteran guy. Defensive guy. Yep. You're gonna like playing under Mike Tomlin. I think he'll fit in into that role really well there um, in Pittsburgh. And then the other two I wanted to get to. So Austin Eckler, I thought this was a big one. He requested a trade yeah. from the Chargers. Um, I'm assuming the Chargers don't want to pay him because he is always kind of hurt, always kind of questionable, injured. But when, you know, when he does play, he produces. He's like the touchdown machine right at the goal line. And that's what you want your running backs to do. He's not the biggest guy, but he – gets it done, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. 
right? Kind of the fantasy, top fantasy player the past two years, right? So you know he's going to produce stats-wise. And I would not be surprised, you know, Miami might keep their eye on this one because I think Eckler fits the role of Mike McDaniel's offense. A lot of motion, uh, can catch the ball out of the backfield. They throw to their backs a lot. So I th- this is a dream scenario if I'm Miami. You take them away from the Chargers, right, who's already one of the AFC rival contenders, and you put him into the system, and if he can stay healthy, I'm I'm just saying Miami. You know, Chris Greer, I know you're already looking into it, but uh, I'd be pretty aggressive with that one. But, yeah, big loss, I think, if you lose Austin Eckler, um, if you're the Chargers, because, I mean, the other running backs, they just don't produce quite as well as him. So it's not really a system thing. I think it's a Austin Eckler is that dude kind of thing. And I don't know. Hey, maybe if Eckler gets traded, they're going to need a running back, and Kellen Moore is the OC, so maybe they need Zeke. <laughs> All right, that's more of a stretch gonna, than what I'm I I'm going to throw that one out there. That's if more Eckler of a stretch than traded, what I was, I was Sounds like the Chargers need a running back, and we, we got one. Um, But yeah, I think Miami's going to need one, because last one we're going to talk about, and it's still not decided, Uh, but the rumors and the smoke is all around Aaron Rodgers going to New York. Going to the Jets, and I'm kind of just assuming it's happening for now. Just going to wait uh, for when that news comes out. I wouldn't be surprised if he does end up going. But I must say that maybe this is cocky. Maybe I'm a little cocky for saying this. But as good as the Jets' defense was, and you know it, it is Aaron Rodgers, I'm still not, I'm not as scared as I think I was once before of Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's not quite the Brady like type of striking fear into you. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is still that dude, but I think Miami with their defense and how they can play um you know, they they played the Packers tough until Tua had a concussion that no one knew about, right? And before he threw three straight picks. So, hey, all I'm saying is tell Aaron to come. I think Miami uh, we'll still be right there in contention and we'll make the playoffs again. So that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I really don't know how to feel about that one because I I just don't see him and like Robert Sala, a defensive-minded coach, being on the same page. And the Jets, they're a young team. So how is like the locker room going to feel about Aaron Rodgers, a 40-year-old quarterback, probably going to demand, like, I want everything my way. Like, how, how is that going to work with a young locker room to me? So I'm a little skeptical if I'm the Jets, looking at the locker room and the coaching fit. But it's not even official. We'll see how that turns out. Yeah, we'll see. But it's all right. I'm not scared of anyone anymore. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a good round of football. It was a busy, busy week. Uh, we'll go ahead and get to our interview interview with hunter coming up we're going to talk a lot of uh sports so that'll be fun then we'll round up with some other stuff so uh, stick around and we'll be right back okay so we were supposed to be done with our football segment already and getting to hunter's interview but we are well i was 
we're recording our uh, interview with Hunter on the 14th. And so we got some breaking news today and the fanatic just couldn't wait a whole week to talk about it. I was teasing him in the first half, as you know, you heard because Dolphins didn't do anything, right? Of course, some big trades happened today for them. And now he wants to talk all about it. So since he didn't get to talk about his team too much, I'll give him the floor. But pretty much to sum it up today, uh, the Cowboys traded a fifth round pick. This year's fifth round pick for Stephon Gilmore, the all pro Pro Bowl corner, formerly in New England. And most recently, the Indianapolis Colts. He's now going to be playing across of Trayvon Diggs. And they also were able to re-sign a couple key free agents, right? Donovan Wilson and Leighton Vander Esch, who I think you were surprised kind of uh, re-signed. You were expecting him to walk. So I don't know. Maybe this hurts the whole Bobby Wagner situation, but I'll let you get into that. Um, the one guy you did lose, though, Noah Brown, went to the Texans. He was kind of Cooper Rush's guy. Matt, is this a sign of things to come? Lose Noah Brown. Does that mean Cooper's out the door as well? I won't. I won't try to bring your mood down too much. Oh, but... don't try to kill my my excitement today, buddy. I mean, I'm on cloud nine right now today. Let me have, let me have a good day. All right, all right. <laughs> so let's get into it. How how are you feeling uh, after today's round of free agency? Thank you for asking, because I feel great. Do you know that? I feel great. You are roasting me. And I was even roasting Jerry. I said, can somebody wake him up? Because do you know that all these other teams are signing free agents? And lo and behold, maybe That's Jerry not- listened to the podcast. I didn't even put up know. a pod yet. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe we sent it to him secretly yeah that's what i but, did actually matt you're right but yeah we're in contact with jerry jones but i'm i'm really really excited about the stefan gilmore trade obviously we already know the reputation that he has he's an all pro corner a former defensive player of the year but look at what we gave up a fifth round comp pick compensatory pick so that's a that's you could say a late fifth round pick and for a guy who's not costing a lot on the cap, I think it's less than $10 million, so very manageable contract at the age of, I think he's 31, 32. So a guy who's at the end of his prime by age. But based off of the pro football focus stats, still playing at an elite corner level, maybe not defensive player of the year level, but top 10, yeah. I think so. And we're not even asking him to be that. He doesn't even have to be that good because we already have our top corner, our first team all pro corner in Trayvon Diggs. So this is this is perfect to me. And I think he fits the mode of Dan Quinn's, you know, cover one defense. A guy who can play in coverage and zone, has great ball skills. And to me, he's he's a little different from Trayvon Diggs because Diggs, the way that he plays, it's a lot of feast or famine. You know, he's going to get big plays, you know, with interceptions, jumping routes, but he's going to get burned every once in a while. That's just Trayvon Diggs. But this guy, Stefan Gilmore, he's a lockdown corner and just so happens to have great ball skills. So he's not going to be getting burned, you know, on go routes or double moves. Like if you're going to beat Stefan Gilmore, 
you got to go over the top of them. Awesome. But you're not going to get four or five steps off this guy. There's no way. And this is perfect for what they need. We were decimated with cornerback injuries. We lost Anthony Brown midseason. That was a huge loss. And obviously that was a, you know, a woe that we were facing in the playoffs. But you're basically replacing Anthony Brown for Stefan Gilmore. And you got Deron Bland coming back for year two in the slot. And you have Jordan Lewis coming back from an injury, who was our starting slot corner, but probably is gonna slide to, you know, backup duties to Deron Bland. So you got four solid corners right now on your roster and Nashawn Wright. You got Israel Mukwamu, who's kind of a hybrid defensive player. It was a corner in college alongside J.C. Horn. He can play safety. So I like the pieces now. Stefan Gilmer really kind of stabilizes that secondary. And obviously, you mentioned Donovan Wilson being back is huge. Dan Quinn likes to play three safety looks with the cover run. And Wilson's more of a physical thumper, you know, stopping the run, uh, laying out guys in the middle of the field. So I like those signings. I like those signings. Three years, $24 million for for Wilson is a steal to me. And honestly, Leighton Van Der Esch, I probably am going to have to give up hopes on Bobby. As much as I really want him, I don't, I don't see Jerry plunging there. But to get Van Der Esch back, obviously a huge win. I think, you know, health is always an issue with him. But when he's on the field, he makes an impact. And he's definitely our best run-stopping linebacker. And we all know how bad Dallas was against the run last season. And to have him in the middle, anchoring the run, that's what we need. And it's a bargain to me. Two years for 11 mil, that, that's a steal to me for a former first-round pick. So I like the pieces that we have. Obviously, Noah Brown. Yeah, it's Cooper Rush's guy. But, you know, Cooper Rush can work at anyone. He, he, he'll make it work. Still got CD. But, you know, obviously... We talked about this earlier. My wish list was Bobby Wagner. Going to have to cross that off, but we can still address one more position, and that's wide receiver. Odell is still on the table, but you know, after kind of thinking about it, but let me. I I kind of want to be greedy now that I'm kind of riding high on this this Gilmore trade. Let Let's go for D Hop. Let Let Let's Let's go big. You can land D Hop. And Stefan Gilmore in an offseason. I don't care if you give up a first round pick. D Hop is the dude. And he's going to be wide receiver two to me, pushing CD Lamb. But you already know CD Lamb is going to be a wide receiver one. So I'm still looking for Jerry to make that one more splash move. That would be an excellent offseason, but off to a great start after a rough first day. But I'll leave it at that. All right. Well, yeah, definitely a good day for the Cowboys. Um, didn't overpay, I think, Stephon Gilmore for a fifth rounder. Not quite the same effect as the Mari for a fifth rounder uh, to me. But, you know, hey, you still get a good player, I think. I He got kind of disrespected a little bit in New England, I think. He was kind of upset about that. I think he can still play at a pretty high level. And, yeah, I don't think the Cowboys are done, but... Hey, I think even if you don't manage to land Odell or D Hop, there's a 
decent amount of receivers in this draft. Obviously not one like as strong as it's been the past several years, I think. But I think, you know, there there are definitely some receivers to look at in this draft as well for your Cowboys. But before and we wrap up the football talk, get to our interview with Hunter. A couple other big uh you know signings and trades today. So Darren Waller traded to the New York Giants, right? And this is all also off the heels, right, of the Jimmy Garoppolo going to uh to the Raiders. So, you know, Devontae Adams still still there in Vegas, but now Darren Waller's gone over to the Giants. You don't seem too concerned about this, Matt. Um I don't know. I think this is a good move for the Giants, right? Um, you know, Daniel Jones. Let's be honest, he didn't get a ton of help this year uh, from his skill position players. You know, Kenny Galladay obviously was a disappointment there. And you look at guys like Sterling Shepard, just could not stay healthy, was able to produce when he was playing, but couldn't stay healthy. Darius Slayton battled injuries as well. So it was really kind of a Saquon show. And, you know, we saw a lot of guys, Cardarius Tony left, uh, wasn't working with a ton of guys. So I'm kind of interested to see how this works out. And, hey, I think it'd be a good safety valve for Daniel Jones. I think if Darren Waller can stay healthy, I think this is a really good pickup because, you know, he has speed. He's one of those uh, faster hybrid tight ends now. And I, don't, I think he, he's going to get a lot of usage up in New York. But I don't know. You don't seem too concerned about this one. Yeah, I mean, I like Darren Waller. The problem with him is, you mentioned it, his health. When he's on the field, he's a he's a difference maker. But do I see Darren Waller having the same effect that he did in Vegas? I don't think so. And I think it's that's in part due to the quarterback play. Now, when Waller was at his best, that was obviously with Derek Carr. But that was before Devontae. And when the Raiders had absolutely no one, this was before Josh Jacobs kind of, you know, took over that really alpha running back role. Like, he was just a target hog. Like, Derek Carr, it was like Rodgers and Devontae. Like, every time he dropped back, he's just looking for Waller. And I truly don't think Jan- Daniel Jones is that type of quarterback. He's a guy who's going to spread the ball around, you know, just take whoever is open. And let me tell you, we're not going to leave Darren Waller open. So <laughs> we're going to we're gonna have guys that can match up. Donovan Wilson that we just signed back. Jaron Curse match up. Just fine to me with Darren Waller. But honestly, looking at it from a Cowboys fan's perspective and being positive on that, Waller almost reminds me now going to the Giants. It's like Evan Ingram when he was drafted. A guy who had the size, you know, had a lot of promise, but known for drops here and there. Waller, not the greatest sometimes when it comes to hands. And most importantly, a guy who just doesn't stay on the field because of injury. So I'm looking at that where it's like, okay, we've kind of seen this this type of tight end before. So we know how to defend against it. So that's kind of the reasoning why I'm not too worried about this trade because I think we've seen this before from the Giants scheme-wise. Yeah, and the real uh, you know tragedy of the whole Darren Waller thing is he just got married to Kelsey Plum. <laughs> In Vegas is, you know, the reigning world champion 
Las Vegas Aces point guard. So yeah, just you know, really unfortunate there, um, for Darren Waller. But you know, it is what it is. That's that's professional sports for you, right? Um, yeah. Okay. Well, before we finish up, last few ones. Matt Ryan got cut from the Colts. The experiment failed. Uh, just a lot of quarterbacks going in and out of Indy on one year's pit stops. It seems like one to two year pit stops. And yeah, I mean the offense just Matt Ryan did not look comfortable from day one. Right. And, you know, he was a vet expected to kind of lead this emerging Colts team to deep into the playoffs. If we're being honest, this was not a rebuild year at all by any means at the beginning of the year they were looking to go really deep and you know me and like a lot of people had them going really deep with matt ryan Mm -hmm. right because of the talent they had on both sides of the ball obviously john jonathan taylor struggled this year uh the defense wasn't quite up to what it had played like the previous year and so ended up sacking everything uh sounds like they're gonna draft a quarterback in this draft i would imagine Maybe they get, you know, pick up one of the remaining free agents as a same kind of stopgap situation here. But I guess we'll have to see. I don't imagine Indianapolis being very good this year. But hey, you know, maybe they'll prove me wrong. You know, you know anything can happen. Um, and then last one, Eagles re-signed James Bradbury. I'm sure you are not too happy about that one because he had a pretty good year this past season for the Eagles and uh, gave a lot of teams you know, a lot of trouble on the outside and, you know, him or Slay against CD. And, you know, I, now you really hope you get a receiver uh, that can match up with those two corners uh, in Philadelphia. So Matt, I know that was a kind of disappointing one for you, but you know, Hey, competition only makes you better. Right. Like that's, that's what hey. you want. You want your rivals to be good, right? You don't want to just run over them all the time. Right. Okay, what person in their right mind would ever say that? You, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you, but you need good competition in the regular season, so that when it's the playoffs, your your team is tested and ready. Because that's really the time to win, right? If you cakewalk through the regular season, uh, you haven't learned anything. You're gonna get bounced in the first round. No adversity. I've seen that countless times happen to teams, right? So, uh. This is actually a good thing. You just don't know it yet. All right. Uh, so hey, no, if it, no. I will say if that means Darius Slay is traded, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I don't know about that, but at running back at least. Okay. Since we talked about your team, my team has been very active. The Miami Dolphins resigned uh, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Sounds like you know we're going with the same trio of running backs as last season. I think Miles Gaskin is not going to resign. So there goes kind of my nah, I wasn't too big on the Derrick Henry, but the Miles Sanders, I know Tony Pollard and Saquon got signed. I think those are the two guys they were really after. And once those guys got tagged, I'm just saying they were. They that was definitely the ideal situation, but those guys got tagged. They liked how Mostert and Wilson produced this year. I liked what they did. You know, in that scheme as well, it's the Miami 49ers, as we know. So I'm excited. I'm excited uh, that we're solidifying our positions up here, just waiting for the Jordan Poyer news now. Hopefully that comes pretty soon because, I mean, 
you look at our our secondary now. If we get Jordan Poyer paired with Javon Holland and Xavier Howard and now Jalen Ramsey, that's a that's a scary secondary for teams right there. So you know we get Poyer and then we get one or two guys, uh, kind of in our linebacker core. Man, that's a that's a defense to be reckoned with right there. So, um, other than that, Matt, any other NFL news you want to talk about? You're so excited to talk about. Um, no, I I'm happy. I'm just happy today. I I explained why I'm happy. So, I'll leave it at that. We also, can get on the show. Also, you're happy. Taylor Heineke is out of your division now. So that's one less kind of gritty, you know, late game winning quarterback you have to worry about. He's uh went on down to Atlanta. So well, technically we beat Taylor Heineke, so I'm not really worried about him. We technically lost to Sam Howell, who's still on the roster. So yet again, you know, he was playing Dak Prescott, so it's not saying much. But I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Okay. Taylor Heineke, good luck to you, man. Yeah. Good luck to you. You won't be missed. <laughs> yeah. Um anyway, that was a good last minute football session. But now let's get to what everyone's really here for. And that's for our guest Hunter. So uh yeah, we'll get to our interview with Hunter, stick around, and then we have a little bit more to talk about after that. <laughs> Alrighty, well, finally have another guest on the show. It's been a minute. I feel like been like running low on guests, but gotta bring in our UH consultant. Uh, since the se- basketball season's over, so Hunter, thanks, thanks again for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I guess we got some unfortunate news to talk about. So, uh, um, I guess we'll just start with the Fullerton game. So. Hunter, you're actually there. First of all, how was it, like actually being up there for the tournament and stuff? Yeah, it was. <clears throat> it was a first time experience for me, uh, so it was. Uh, it was a good experience. Um, got to see teams in postseason live, which is uh, you know, which something something you don't get to see every single day, um, or every year actually. Um, but it's again unfortunate, as you mentioned, that Hawaii did not advance or for the men's at least uh, but I did get to see the women's championship game um, and they got the title so congrats to to Laura Beeman and the Rainbow Wahine for winning that uh, but yeah uh, speaking of the Fullerton game uh, they they had a great start uh, I think they had like a 9-2 lead and then of course they they had their scoring droughts uh, which they had all season long and you would have figured that coach would have or the players even um, would have figured that out but it still persisted throughout the the, the quarterfinal game with Fullerton and it just led to their loss um, in overtime and although it was a good experience of course we do wish that they had won all three games and play next week but it is what it is and looking forward to next season all right yeah sounds good so I guess speaking of the game uh, we can kind of run through the game itself so we started off hot right our defense we played i thought we played really good defense like for most of the game actually um you know especially early like every shot was contested and we're doing a really good job of just like pressuring the ball and stuff like that but 
the foul trouble and turnovers like killed us. It was just like um every time we build a little bit of momentum, like we turn the ball over or like commit a foul. And um there I think Fullerton was like one of the better like free throw shooting teams, right? In the in the conference as well. So I think that kind of hurt us a little bit. But you know, we were up at the half. Um I was like, okay, we got a chance, you know? And then uh I guess it's kind of been you could say the story of the season, right? Cold slump, second half kind of collapse, I guess, and uh, weren't able to pull it off. So I guess we'll get down, you know, towards the end of the game there. Um, I thought it was going to be like the Samuta game, right? Because he was, he was like heating up. He was hitting his shots. Uh, He's being really aggressive. And then all of a sudden, the, like just went away from him. I was like trying to figure out what, was going on um because he was like hitting all his shots uh you know the his mid-range jumper i still don't like how it looks like his jumper how it looks but like it goes in right yeah. so yeah. um yeah i was like okay why are we going away from him but you know and then obviously we get to the end of the game close game um so i'm just curious hunter so the shot clock violation that got uh the ball back um, at least on TV, it looked pretty close. Like on the replays they were showing there, how did it look? Because it was pretty, uh, I thought we got pretty fortunate with that one. I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't really tell, but I was sitting on the front row. And so the, the ref monitors where they were looking at and reviewing the play was right in front of me. And oh, that's pretty to funny. my eye, it looked like a, a shot clock violation. And, and I was constantly yelling to the ref. That's a shot clock violation. And oh, so that was all you that I helped think, sway I, think the... I might have some kind of, you know, persuasion on, on the refs. But, you know, the refs saw it or they heard me or whatever, maybe. <laughs> oh, I got the ball back. And, um, you know, Coleman hit that shot. So, oh, man. But, yeah, it, it did look like a, a shot clock violation um, from what I had seen on the, the monitor. All right. Well, that's good to know. Now, hopefully, UH will give you credit, um, and hopefully, they'll get you like uh, season courtside tickets right behind the the refs there, so you help uh, factor in some of these calls at home, right? So yes, we'll petition definitely. petition for that, definitely. Um, but yeah, I guess. And then the Coleman shot, right? Uh, Matt has been preaching this pretty much all season, right? But you know. He has felt like Coleman's been our best offensive player all year, pretty much. And when push comes to shove, as good as Jovan, I guess, has been, you know, for, uh, you know, late game scenarios this season, Matt is, has always been. Now we got to get Coleman a touch. We got to get him the ball. Lo and behold, right, he hits the clutch shot, and that's like the. I always think that's the biggest pressure shot, like in basketball. It's a shot to tie going into overtime, right? Um, yeah. you like you just need to make it just to give yourself five more minutes, uh, for a chance to to keep playing, and um, you know he hits a big shot. I was going nuts. I'm sure I I heard the Hawaii crowd traveled pretty well, so uh, Reno must have been going pretty nuts. Um, uh, but yeah, I was I was excited. I was like, okay, maybe this is exactly what we need, right? Um, uh, yeah. At that know. point, we there was. There was momentum, and I thought Hawaii would have, um, you know, got the W, but 
there was that one one pivotal three that Fullerton, Fullerton hit in overtime that tied the game and that kind of uh, turned turned the, the tables there towards Fullerton's away and ultimately lead to their victory. But um, yeah, Hawaii had many opportunities and the lack of offensive uh, success in overtime and as well as offseason season long, I just it just killed their season. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm just curious. So since you were in that arena, you know, Jovan attacks the rim, right? Gets fouled, has a chance again, right? Free throws coming up, just like what happened several games ago with Kamaka at the line, right? Chance, what, two, three seconds left. Um, so he misses the first one. It's kind of like, all right, well, now we have to, you know, force a miss. And so he misses the second one. And at least on TV, it seemed like an eternity where the Cal State Fullerton player was like holding the ball and no one fouled. Like, yeah, I don't know. I was like, screw, I was like, I was like, why are we not fouling? But I don't know. Maybe it was like, since we're on TV, it's different when it was live. I was just curious, like, what you thought about that as well. Yeah, I, I'm not sure why they didn't foul. I think they just gave up or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. There was three and a half seconds left. Three, three point something on the clock and still would have at least, at least 2.8 seconds if they had fouled immediately. You know, given if Fullerton missed both free throws or just made one on one end, you have two dribbles to get up half court and have a, a decent shot of tying the game or possibly winning. Um, I, I'm not too sure what happened. Yeah, there were, there was a long pause, even in person, as you mentioned, what, what you saw on TV. It, it seemed like a while before <laughs> that buzzer went off and when Fullerton got the rebound. So I'm not too sure what happened. Maybe the, the players just kind of give up hope, but that was, you hate to see that happen. That was pretty sad. I think yeah. like it was such a hard-fought game. Like all right, Your season comes down to it. And maybe they thought the buzzer was going to go off sooner. I, I'm not too sure, right? But, yeah, yeah that was pretty um, sad to see because it's March, right? How many times have we seen it's March, you know, full court, like three-quarter, half-court shots that go in during March? And to not even give themselves a chance, I was just like, oh, man, that's pretty – that's a pretty sad thing to see. Um, but, yeah, season's done. Uh, Matt? I don't know. Did you have any comments on the game you wanted to chip in before we get into kind of the season review? Yeah, I want to ask you, Hunter. Let, let's stick with this this last play. So obviously, Greg mentioned I'm a big, I think you know this too, obviously a big advocate for Noel Coleman getting the big shots in uh, big game situations. So what did you think about that last play by Ganat? Really telling Jovan, take the ball at the top, and you're just going to drive to the paint, either get a layup, get a foul, get an and one. Like, do you think that was the right call and the, for the right player as well? Um, this is for the overtime. The overtime. Yeah. You know, with, I think Ganat was sticking with his guns uh, from what he saw with Trevon in the Diamond Hair Classic championship game. Um, and even in the late game situation against uh, Texas A&M Commerce, where Javon hit both potential game winning or one potential game winning and the actual game winner against SMU in the Dampier Classic. But 
he I think he was sticking with his instinct with Stravon as the clutch guy to make those shots. Um I don't I don't like that play that was drawn up. I think there's a much higher percentage <laughs> of kicking it out to either Smuta, uh Noel, or even Kamaka, who's a um a decent three point shooter. But they, they did shut down Kamaka all night. He wasn't able to get to get going in the threes, and I think that's what um, kind of held us back in terms of scoring. Um, but yeah, overall, the last play, I don't like it. It could have been a much different uh, drawn-up play that could have potentially, you know, had us playing the next day. Yeah. Um, I mean, really just unfortunate situation, but I think... And I feel like we, we see this every single year. <laughs> We do because they lose in the first round every single year. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it's been a staple of Iran's uh, tenure so far at Hawaii, with an exception to the his first year, um, of which was not his players was actually Gib Arnold's recruits. Um, and so I think if you know I, we're gonna get to it with recruiting um, eventually, but uh, I think with the recruiting aspect, he cannot needs to hit the portal. Uh, very hard this, this offseason um, in order to make a huge impact um, for Big West or even to stay competitive in the Big West for next season because of the talent that we're losing. Yeah, yeah. We'll, so we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll just kind of wrap up that game. And then, you know, another thing, 18 turnovers to four turnovers, yeah. right? Like can't be having it, just giving them more possessions. Uh, and I thought we played really good. Like our defense, I thought was pretty pretty good for the most part. Obviously, that guy Max Jones was just killing us down the stretch, but I thought for the most part, you know, we did a pretty good job. But it is what it is. Um, that's enough of, of that game. We can get to kind of the whole season, whole season recap here. So first question for you, Hunter. I guess, um, you know, season is coming on fifth seed, first round bounce again, but. You know, how how do you kind of take this season as a whole for UH? Uh, definitely has its ups and downs. Uh, one up being it was a 20-win season, 22 to be exact. I, and you don't see much of those seasons being put together with 20-plus wins. Um, however, on the, if, you know, if you're playing devil's advocate, uh, people are saying because of the, the 20 wins, they, they, had, they had a, a week straight of schedule. Playing uh cupcake teams in the you know non conference schedule, uh, so you can pick and choose how you want to look at it, but I think that that is a positive. Uh, looking on the other side, there are many close games where Hawaii should have won, um, but lack of offensive execution, um, led to you know those losses that could have ultimately led to a one seed potentially, um, in the Big West tournament. I'm uh, looking at close losses to Santa Barbara at home, uh, close losses to Fullerton at home. Um, and that's just a few. I think those two games combined, they lost within like three points um, total. And so if you take those two wins, um, it could have looked a lot different for Hawaii in the postseason seeding tournament. Uh, so, you know. If you want to compete in the Big West, they're going to have to pull those out, especially when you know, you're at your home court. You have to win all home games, regardless, um, especially in conference. 
And so we need to, or Hawaii needs to work on that. Looking forward to the off season um, and into next season as well. And uh, hopefully if we can piece everything together, uh, Iran and his, his coaching staff can put together a complete season and uh, we'll be marching next March. Yeah, that'd be great to go dancing again. I feel like it's been a long time since that that 2016 team. Um, it's been our, since our high school senior year was yeah. the last time they went. We're all working now. That's how old we are. That's how long it's been. High school, man. We've been out of college for like two, three years now. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. So I guess we'll get to some of the stuff about Aranganat, right? Um, I just want to talk about well, I've been kind of preaching this all season uh, on the pod anyway. Um, I just couldn't understand, you know, the games that I've watched, and especially when it comes down to the late game, you know, last five minutes of regulation, overtime, whatever it may be. But the offense just seems to stall. And I couldn't understand, you know, is it like our system that we play or the plays that we choose to run late in games, uh, does is it a team thing where everyone kind of wants to be the hero? Because I've I've been kind of saying it, it's kind of like a curse, right? When you have so many different guys that are talented and can be the guy, it's like you don't ever really have a true, you know, one option late in the game. And I know we it, it had been uh, Jovan, you know, for most of the year, and he had hit a couple big shots, but you know, there are games where he's just cold and um, need other guys to step up. But I'm just kind of uh, curious on what your take is on kind of just our offense and the struggles and why you think um, we go through these cold stretches in pivotal situations. Yeah. I think it has to do a, a mixture of uh play style, um, offensive play style, um, as well as the plays itself. And so Iran's typ- typical Iran offense is um, set plays, right? Half court, tempo, um, not really pushing it in trans- transition. And so I think a lot of that when it comes to defensive defenses, picking up on those on those schemes, um, it can tend to lead to a lack of offense success for Hawaii. And we've seen that multiple times throughout the year. Um, and at, at times cost us games. But there, there's also times where, more in the later half of the season, where Hawaii kind of picked it up on transition, um, started running and you know pushing the offense aggressively, and it, it had shown success. Um, and so Iran had seen that. I think they kind of pushed it more towards the the Big West tournament um, and the last few games of the home the home season the home stand. Uh, but I think the the offense half court set and the play calls are what leads to the the stalled offensives, really. Got it. Matt, you want to say anything I on think, the offense? I think Hunter pretty much nailed it. And for me, you know, I'm a big advocate of playing at pace, and especially when you have a chance for a fast break bucket, a three-on-two, a two-on-one. Like, that's something you have to expose when you have that mismatch. And I think UH... You know, for the most part, they don't do a really good job of, of doing that. And that's Ganat's style. He likes to play half court, you know, run his offensive plays and system. But, you know, I don't think that's how you win games. You can't do that for 40 minutes. You're going to have to take 10 points 
in transition, getting five layups. Like that's just how basketball is. It's a game of possession, a couple possessions. So they need to do that much better. And to me, that starts with your point guard. Your point guard sets the tempo on the court. It's Gannat, yeah, he's the coach, but I don't know. To me, the quarterback on the court on the court is the point guard. And Jovan, I know he had a great season, but he's not the greatest when it comes to playing with pace. He's a guy who, you know, he'll push. Oh, but he's going to get stuck right at the top of the key and then kick it out. Oh, he'll push to half court and then let everybody catch up when you have a chance for maybe even a one-on-one, right? Take your chances with that. But to me, that that's kind of the thing that frustrates me the most with Gannat and the way that our point guard play has been really throughout the past tenure with Gannat, I would say. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Um, I mean, just looking at other Big West teams, you know, UCSB, uh, Irvine, Fullerton, they all have good guard plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're aggressive as well. And they really tend to pick on our smaller guards, and Jovan, you know, Justice Jackson, and he, even Noel. Even Noel is like, let's say, 6 1. But there, there are bigger guards in the Big West than what, what he has. And that, that kind of like it's our downfall, um, our guard play. So I do think that Jovan did improve uh, this season, his junior season significantly compared to his sophomore year. Um, but again, there's always much to improve on with, you know, reading the the floor, the temple, and knowing when to, you know, be more aggressive and when to hold back. And so I think if Javon figures that out uh, for next season, uh, we'll we'll be in store for uh, hopefully a, a better season for sure. Yeah, I can definitely hope for that. We'll see how it actually turns out. I wouldn't be surprised if we end up somewhere in the three to six seed again. You know, just knowing how it's been. I mean, until I see it for myself, right? Uh, but who knows? You know, I'll, I'll try to remain optimistic for the for the rest of this pod. Um, but before we get on to next season. You know, around Gunnat has been around for a while now. We've kind of seen, you know, the product that his teams have produced. And, you know, it's it's getting around that time where it's like, okay, we're we've been a good team, you know, under him. Uh we've finished, you know, fairly high in the regular season, uh, but just haven't been able to get over the hump uh and kind of make it all the way back to the tournament. Uh and like you said, they weren't his players, right? So I don't know. Do you think it's time to start hitting the panic button with Ron Gannat, or do you think maybe it's just something uh, we're so close and he just needs to make a few adjustments. Maybe it's in recruiting uh, style of play, something like that, or I don't know what, what is kind of your take on the coaching situation? I mean, I, I think Iran is a good coach, um, but it, it just depends on the new athletic director who is chosen um, I think, you know, Iran's first two years uh, with the new AD is very important for how his future at the University of Hawaii will look like. Um, if it's continued to show that, you know, Hawaii's won and done in the in the Big West tournament, I don't I don't see Iran not staying or having a a contract extension um, for much longer. Um, I think he has up, up until like 2024, 20, 25. Um, but if it continues to have you know these 
short postseason uh, tournaments, it's not looking good. It's not looking, not gonna look good for him at all. And he will be on the hot seat, and that's that's for sure. Matt, you wanna chip in on this one? <laughs> I I mean, Hunter is just nailing it. I mean, we're like two peas in a pod when it comes to you know UH basketball. I feel like, but how can you keep the same product going forward for the amount of time that we've had? Because if you look at any other program, if they did the exact same thing, guys would be losing their jobs. You would be making changes, but there just seems to be no no change. I don't know what it is about UH. They're just afraid of change. And, and you know, not just not just what you call uh, basketball, but you can look at baseball, for example. Mike Trapasso was the coach for seems like forever, <laughs> and we were always stuck in you know, mediocrity, right? You can even say football to some degree. Yeah. But yeah. We're, we're always hanging on to our coaches too long. And it's like, we need to have that ability to pull the plug when you have the body of work. Again, I hate to pull it back, but it's like Dallas. Dak Prescott, he's been our quarterback for what, seven years. I already know what I'm going to get with him. So we got to make a change. That's what I'm saying. UH, it's the same thing. We already know what we're going to get with Gannat. And he's had enough time to build the program the way that he's wanted to build it. Because he started with Gibbs players, and maybe he should have just had Gibb as a recruiter. Because <laughs> obviously, that's the only way he can win, is with other guys recruiting for him. So if Gannat continues down this path, I would say even after next year, possibly. I, I truly cannot see how the new AD can even wait two years, to your point, Hunter. I would say next year. <laughs> if it's another yeah, one-and-done year, that's that would be enough for me if I'm the athletic director. Yeah, that, that could very well happen. And, you know, considering the Hawaii basketball in the Big West Conference, you look at the, the venues, facilities that we have compared to the that's other a good schools. good point right here. Um, other schools like Fullerton, uh, Irvine, they they play in large high school gymnasiums, um, with a capacity of of maximum five thousand, um, and mo- majority of the other schools averaging around a thousand per game, if not less, and so considering all of those factors, Hawaii should be dominating the Big West year after year. Um, and it's not been that way at all for for whatever reason, maybe be coaching, um, you know, I'm not too sure what it is, but Hawaii should be at the top of the conference and be going to the tournament every few years or so um, with the facilities that we have, the, the crowds that we draw, um, you know, our community buy-in. It's just, it's not clicking for whatever reason. And so we need to figure that out. And that's going to be, an important task for the new AD that comes in to see, you know, what's important and do we want to, you know, be in the middle of the pack for the big West. And that's just, that's not right. Yeah, I definitely agree. That That's a great point, by the way. I haven't even, I haven't even uh, really thought about that, but yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I think, you know, us being around Hawaii sports uh, for pretty much our whole lives, we, kind of understand if you're not one of the loyal season ticket holders right how do you get people from Hawaii to come out to the games it's when the teams are good right if they're winning 
you know, they other than maybe let's say men's and women's volleyball, right? For the most part, if our team is good, uh, football, basketball, even baseball, like people will come out to play. But when we go through these cold stretches, or you know, we're kind of a uh, mediocre kind of team, it's kind of hard to put people in stands. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, we got some some good to come in in the foreseeable future. But before we get to next season, just want to get your uh, both your takes, I guess. Uh, one player that was kind of either a surprise or you thought overperformed your expectations from the beginning of the year, and then one player that kind of underperformed or maybe a little bit of a disappointment. Um, just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. You go first, Matt. Or <laughs> you're the guest. I'll give you the floor first. Okay. Um, I'll go with two players who I thought had a, a great season. Um, first is Kamaka Hepa, the senior. Um, I thought Kamaka had a good uh, last season with Hawaii. Um, shot the ball well. He created his own shot, surprisingly. Um, and, you know, he, he gave Hawaii a few big games this season. And he, he was somewhat consistent. And... Um, the other player that I have in mind is Javon. As I mentioned before, uh, Javon had a, a breakout. I know me and Matt and uh, Matt's dad don't, don't, didn't like Javon as, as much as we do now uh, at the beginning of the season uh, because of, you know, we have our reasons. <laughs> but he, he did show That's up. classified. Um, <laughs> he did show up at the Diamond Classic and continued to stay hot throughout the entire way. Uh, for majority majority of the season, um, being consistent and uh, you know having been the point guard for Hawaii, so I do give credit to those two players. And you know, there's other players as well, like Samuto, who had a great year. Um, who else was there? Um, Bernardo, who had his ups and downs. And then the player that I guess was most or had the the least or disappointed season. Would be, um, must be kind of hard. So many to choose from. That's why. <laughs> if I had to choose a starter, I would probably say Bernardo. Even though I said that he has ups and downs because he was not consistent at all this season, uh, he would have a good stretch of games for one point, and then the next four games just non-existent. Uh, whether because he's in foul trouble or he's missing his, you know, his shots, so uh, I w- I would give that that title to Bernardo. I was hoping to have a more um, dominant junior season from him, but hopefully next year he'll be able to provide that spark as a returner. All right, Matt, you want to give? All right. really I like quick? that. I like that. Yeah. So for my, I could you could say best player this year. Maybe not statistically, but definitely a guy who improved from his first year. And I would say Beyond Riley was a shocker for me, especially coming off of last year. I really didn't see much from him. A guy who had the size, but just really didn't have, you know, the, the basketball instincts. Couldn't really shoot last year. But, you know, obviously he's not a great shooter this year, but I thought he improved drastically you know, in terms of being able to hit an open shot. Because that's huge, because the defense is going to leave him open. And if he can hit a standing three, 
that's that's really all you need from Beyond. And he he gives you the hustle plays. He improved much better this year with free throw shooting. So I was really pleased with the way that he he blossomed in his sophomore year. And I, I really do think he's gonna continue to get better going into next season. But my most disappointing player, probably a shocker in this one, but I would have to say Noel Coleman. I think obviously last year he was the man, you know, kind of broke out in last year's Diamond Head Classic. But this year I think there is just something off about him. Like he didn't have that that swagger to me, you know, looking for a shot all the time. He was very passive at times, uh, even through the Big West season maybe the two thirds of the season, he was just kind of cold, like just didn't have that, that it factor to me. And I know he had a couple games where he hit clutch shots against Fullerton, but I was pretty disappointed in the, the very, um, as you could say, like roller coaster season that he had, cause it started fast. It goes down has a nice game. Then he plays bad for another four games. So the inconsistency was, was key for me and Coleman. Cause if he was steady, I think, we would have been a much better team record-wise. So I would probably have to say Coleman. Yeah, that's a good point. I you know, I wasn't thinking about Coleman at all because I drew a blank. Um, but yeah, I was expecting more of Coleman from this season as well. And he did have a hot, hot start, as you, as you mentioned. Um, but then it just went downhill from there. And I'm not too sure if it was just confidence because he's, he's a good shooter. Um, I, I wouldn't mind if he took 10 threes per game because eventually he'll start to catch on. And as you, as we saw in the last few games um, of the season, Noel was starting to pick up a little bit, having like double-digit um, scoring um, games for the last two games of the season. So um, I was ex- expecting more. I'm not too sure on his status of the return for next season. Um, I do know that he is an older player. I think he's about 23 or 24 so he might go overseas but you know it'll it'll also be good for him to come back to kind of build his um reputation or to build his his skills overall for before he goes overseas to play yeah that's a good point um and since i guess you know you brought up next season uh i i don't know expectations we we got hopefully a lot of guys coming back i would hope um, you know, you never know now with how the transfer portal is, NIL, everything like that. Um, so the obviously the two key seniors we lose, right? Kamaka and Samuta. Um, that's gonna be tough, you know, two of our starting five going out, but we we still got hopefully Jovan, Noel, Bernardo, right? Stick around. And uh, I don't know, I'm just curious, um, who are you uh I guess looking to next season? and maybe stepping up that's on the current roster and uh, kind of hoping to fill some of the voids that those two are going to be leaving. More sec. More sec. <laughs> More yeah, sec. Crowd pleaser. Yep. More sec needs to have a, a huge offseason. Uh, he has a lot to work on, um, but he has a lot to work with. Uh, he's he's long. Um and as he, I was, as we've seen in in the games, he he alters the opponent's shots just because of how long he is, um, and you know it, it causes bad shots or bad misses, and he gets the rebounds. So I'm looking to see more sec um, dominate 
next season in the Big West and for the years to come. Um, but he's one player that look, I'm looking forward to. Another interesting player, um, and so far the only commitment for the next season is uh, Yale transfer Matthew Cotton. He is a 6'5 guard. Um, he, I believe, has just one year left. Um, but um, as you know, Iran's recruits or transfer recruits, he was injured all last year um, out with a shoulder injury. So I'm not too sure how that, that will play out considering a one uh, Ryan Rapp this season. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully that Matthew Cotton can help fill the void um, of Noel if he's gone and partially of Kamaka's uh, shooting um, from three-pointers. So, yeah, looking forward to see what, what Matthew Cotton can provide. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully we can get more recruits because uh, we'll, we'll for sure need them um, to fill Samuta's and Kamaka's shoes. Um, definitely looking forward to next season at this point. But, Matt, I don't know. Is there anyone you're looking forward to really trying to blossom next season? I know Justin Jackson's your guy. So I was just oh, yeah. I was, he took the words out of my mouth. That's if he stays, though. I will say if he stays. Yeah, but I'm looking. I'm looking, staying on the bigs. But hopefully, Harry Ruliadev can take a step. I think I see the talent in him. I think he just needs to bulk up a little bit. Honestly, um, it seems at times he was just outmatched physically, and especially defensively, he was very slow on his rotations. So hopefully, you know, with a, a full off season uh, and some weight training, uh, I expect some big things from him. At least some improvement, kind of like a a beyond Riley leap to me. That's that's what I'm looking for from Harry this year or next season. Yeah. Um, I was just going to go with Morsec because, I mean, like you said, <laughs> he's, he's the, the crowd, crowd pleaser. The crowd pleaser. And, you know, after that Irvine game, we really saw, like, his potential, right? What he can do. Um, I don't know. I think that'd be a that'd be a great um, addition if, you know, he can play up to his potential. Hopefully, yeah, get him developed yeah. this offseason. And, uh Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, predictions. Anyone want to throw out a prediction right now? I say third seed next year, just because I don't think we can get first or second. But I'll just say third. I'll be optimistic. I'm gonna go with the three seed. I'll go with the four seed. I think Hawaii can get a four seed. Um, I don't know, just based off of being optimistic. <laughs> I think Hawaii gets a six seed and another first round exit. <laughs> I'm gonna okay. just stick with the with well, the that's trend. That's not here. very optimistic, Matt. Come on. But I'm gonna be uh, realistic. They are losing, I would say, a bunch of guys, and especially if Coleman leaves. Let's be. We got to be a little realistic here. All but right. they'll make the tournament, at least the Big West tournament. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, okay. just, yeah. It'd be interesting to see uh, how Santa Barbara, because I know I do know they did lose. Um, the Norris guy, uh, Miles Norris, uh, they'll lose um, Josh Pierre-Louis, um, and a few other few other starters as well. So they're going to have to rebuild as well. Um, and we'll, we'll see what happens. And I'm not too sure how strong the Bagels will be, but Hawaii hopefully can keep up with the top of the half. Yeah, I, I think we will. Um, but on that note, you know, it was a good – Good segment, Hunter. Again, thank you for coming on, man. Always appreciate it. Uh, baseball's coming up, so hopefully we can get you back on for some baseball talk. 
But other than that, uh, yeah, we'll get to some of our other segments here. And, you know, hey, let's go Wahine, man. We got a chance. Maybe we pull off the upset. You never know, right? It's March. Crazier things have happened. But Hunter, appreciate it. Thank you for coming on, man. All right. Thank you. All right, Matt. So finished up our little talk with Hunter. Um, <laughs> so got to talk some UH sports there. But let's go back to some of the other news from this week. Start with the NBA. We're, like we said, coming down that home stretch. The West still pretty tight. But good news for my Lakers. We'll get to that. Um, another note, though. So while LeBron has been out, you know, for going on, this is his second week now. Another big injury happened for my, I guess, title favorite after the All-Star break, and that's the Phoenix Suns. So they lose Kevin Durant to a pregame ankle tweak. I guess there wasn't even anything crazy going on. He rolls his ankle in warm-ups, and now he's out for two to three weeks. So the Suns, you know, gave up a lot, right? Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson... Uh, Jay Crowder picks. picks to get Kevin Durant and I must say when he was playing it did not seem fair at all right um, him with book I mean it's just pick your poison at that point who either one of those guys is willing to take the shot and seem doesn't seem like ego is going to be an issue here just like it was um, I would say for you know, when Kevin Durant was in Golden State, he has no problem sharing the ball, but he knows he'll score when he has to. And then he goes down for two to three weeks. So the Suns, they're still sitting right there, I believe, in fourth place. Fourth. They're into the fourth, the fourth place. seed right now. But really, you know, they're the top of that kind of clump of teams from four to even 13. It's only a six-game separation for nine nine teams now and my lakers are you know only sitting four games back of the four seed who i mean kind of crazy how that worked out but i don't know i would be a little scared if i'm phoenix they lost to golden state tonight and looks like golden state is getting back to their uh winning ways again you know steph is starting to heat up clay had a big night tonight against the phoenix suns and you know when those two guys come March come April, if they're rolling on all cylinders, I know they're your title favorite, so you must be pretty happy about that. But I wouldn't want to see the Warriors, you know, if I'm any team in the Western Conference in the first round, I don't want to see the Warriors. You know, they're the probably I'm not probably they are the team with the most championship pedigree over the past six years, right? And they've been there, done that four times. I don't want to see them if like, quite honestly, I'd, I'd be a little scared. Uh, if I was, if Phoenix stays at the four seed, Golden State's there at the five seed might be a little tough. Um, but I, I think if Kevin Durant, as long as he comes back healthy for the playoffs, it, it's not going to matter who Phoenix plays. I, I really think they still can get there. So I'll stick with that. There's a legit chance that 
the fourth five would be Phoenix and Golden State. That's kind of what I'm seeing with the way this season is kind of trending out to be. So that would be, <laughs> I wouldn't say the most all-time hype first-round matchup, but I would say pretty close. Yeah, and it would... Especially st- with the history of KD. It would be a little unfortunate, though, like just as a basketball fan to see that in the first round. Yeah. Right? Like you want to see... You want to see that conference in the finals, conference finals, or even the semis, right? Like, do you really want to see KD, Booker, and Chris Paul against Steph, Clay, you know, Draymond in the first round, and only one of those teams gets to move on? Like, come on, that's like a, that's a, you know, all time seven game series type of matchup. So, I don't know. That's just a self selfishly uh, asking for that, but. You know, since we'll we'll stay on the Western Conference for now, um, Lakers are had a pretty good run. You know, they went three and one, lost the last game, so I guess now they're three and two. But in the wins, you know, even in the, in the loss, it's you know they lost to a good Knicks team who's kind of surprising everyone right now. Um, you know, they're hanging around in the East pretty tough. So I'm not too discouraged by the loss, but you know, as long as Anthony Davis shows up, we have a chance. He got kind of locked out from the Knicks. He only he was scored, complacent like, that game. Yeah, he he only scored 15 points. You know, he wasn't the aggressive AD that we've come to you know appreciate so much. And you know, most important stretch of games coming up here. If we get aggressive AD. You know, every game, I like our chances against any team we play. D'Angelo Russell coming back, Jared Vanderbilt, Rui, Dennis Schroeder. All these guys have been playing exceptionally well. Austin Reeves, who I think has been kind of the, you know, even when D'Angelo Russell was out, he was kind of the heart of that Lakers team. He was running mm-hmm. the point uh, late in games, surprisingly. Darvin Ham has a lot of trust in him. And he just kind of makes the emotional... Um, you know, pick me up play, whether it's a dunk, steal. He even had an ankle breaker the other day. And, you know, I don't know. I, I really like the chemistry now. The chemistry, I feel like, is no longer an issue. These guys like playing with each other. And they're all getting more and more comfortable game by game. I would like to see a little more from Malik Beasley. You know, shooting-wise, he's been in a bit of a slump since he joined the Lakers. But... If they can keep continuing to play like this, so that when LeBron gets back, I'm you know the shots get even more open when LeBron's back, right? So, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling good, and we are the nine seed, but really only uh two and a half games out from the six seed, and I don't know. I think it's possible. I really think we can sneak in as a six seed with how Dallas and the Clippers have been kind of inconsistent here down. Down the stretch, I don't know, Matt. I think we can do it. We might avoid the play. Well, I will say, if you do get the six seed, it's gonna be because of obviously AD needs to show up. But I was really high on Mister D'Angelo Russell. I think if, and I said this on a previous pod, that if he plays like how D'Lo can play, he can give you you know twenty something a night on efficient scoring distribute the basketball he's a solid number three obviously with LeBron but he can be a number two I think 
at least a temporary number two on a team. And he he was huge. I know they lost to the Knicks, but he was balling. Yeah, he had a great <laughs> So game. with him being back, kind of getting his feet wet a little bit with the injury, I don't know, man. I, I really like his fit with this Lakers team. I just think he's grown up from, obviously, his first stint mm-hmm. <laughs> with you his can tell. antics. You can tell with yeah. the interviews he has. Mm-hmm. You can tell. He, yeah, he's- I'm, I'm huge on that guy. I, I like the fit on this team with D'Lo. And I, I think AD, man, you can't you can't be taking games off. I'm sorry, but you guys should have beat the Knicks because Anthony, that that's on Anthony Davis, let me tell you that. He's got to... When is it going to be his team? That That's my thing. I don't it's, think it will. It's still LeBron's point. team. LeBron is... I know he's been willing to pass the torch ever since they won the title. <laughs> he showed AD the way, you know, how to win. Bro, it's gotta be it's gotta be your team. Now, LeBron is almost 40 years old. You're asking him to carry the team. You're in your prime, <laughs> age-wise. I, I I just think he's gotta be much more consistent. Because if he is, if he shows up, he's obviously dominating everyone. So yeah, with him and D'Lo, I think you guys do have a realistic chance to possibly avoid the play-in this year. Well, I can only hope, Matt. I can only hope. But you got uh, a lot of teams to jump, so that's that's the jump yeah, part. That is the scary part. Uh, we're coming down the home stretch here. Grizzlies, man, you know, came out today. Jaws now checking in <laughs> to, I believe it was a rehab or some kind of in Florida uh, yeah. facility in Florida out indefinitely now with the team. I do like it as an organizational you know, uh, standpoint and really just looking out for jaw. I think this is what he needs right now. It is unfortunate if you're the Grizzlies, it's coming at a time like this, you know, you're only four and a half games out from the first seed, but I think they're looking long-term for both looking out for jaw, his career, as well as the organization's future, right? Having one of the marquee guys in the league, you want to have him around for a long time. So, it kind of sucks. It has to happen now, not, you know, let's say during the off season, but that I think that just shows how serious they are about committing to jaw. And I like it. I hope it works out and I hope, you know, he gets whatever help he needs and it, it works out for him because the league could use John Morant, uh, you know, dunking on people, making all these crazy layups for a long time. But as it currently stands, uh, I think the Grizzlies, you know, they're they're fighting off the Kings, man. These Kings are tough. They're not fading like me, you, and a lot of other people thought they might, you know, from the beginning of the season. They proved us wrong. Uh, they're right there in the three seed looking like a top team. They just dropped 100 points on everyone. Like, uh, they, what is it? They average like 121 points per game right now. It's like ridiculous. It's- so they are just outscoring everyone. Props to Mike Brown. Props to you know all those guys there in Sacramento. But yeah, the Grizzlies. It's unfortunate, and you got you still got guys like you know Dylan Brooks chirping at Draymond, and you know he's <laughs> chirping about Kyrie. He likes the book. podcast, <laughs> I guess so. And he he must just kind of. I think that's his role 
that he is playing now. Um, kind of that antagonist, I guess you could say. Um, He's a wannabe Draymond, honestly. Yeah, like, I think the thing is, you know, with players, and it it comes to like talking, right? Like Pat Bev, for example, or even like you know, or maybe not Lance Stevenson to that extent, but you know, when they got into the league, they kind of had always been like that, right? Dylan Brooks, I mean, yeah, he's been, you know, prone to say stuff here and there, but this year in particular, I feel like it's kind of just skyrocketed, right? Like how much he's talking, oh yeah, I want to see this guy, or yeah, they're they're kind of tired. They don't they don't like to play, or you know, we'll see if they actually play. And it's like, okay, where was this two, three, four years ago, right? Since you've been in the league. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's that's the only thing I kind of don't like about the whole Dylan Brooks thing. It just makes it seem like he's just doing it all for attention, you know. But eh, who knows? Maybe that's you know, that's how he is, or maybe the org is telling him, "Hey, we need you to be this guy for us." But yeah, it's a little cheesy or corny. Yeah, from, from my point of view, I don't know. I I agree, and I can say that because. You know, I followed him a lot, especially in college. And let me tell you, he was not like this <laughs> on the Ducks. Not at all. He was strictly, he played hard. He was a hard player and a good player. He was honestly probably the best player on the team. But there wasn't any of this, like, I wouldn't even say trash talking. Like, it's it's a little more personal than that to me. It's like, a little, it's like the dis- he's just disrespecting guys now a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a little, yeah, not, it's not a typical trash talking type of feel to me. And he wasn't like that at Oregon. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. So, very unusual. And I don't know, a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, he only talks when the other team's superstars aren't playing. Like they showed today, <laughs> Luca and Kyrie were just kind of looking at him like, all right, we're not even playing. Like, imagine when we, we get on the court, what we're going to do to you. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But I got that's just the Grizzlies, man. Their motto is grit and grind. It's always been that way with that organization. So, <laughs> I guess he does fit perfectly with that team. I guess team. so, but even, like, the old Grizzlies, like Zach Randolph and Mike Conley, they weren't big trash talkers, but they were, like, tough, you know, defensive team. I, I think Tony yeah, Allen yeah. probably talked the most trash. Tony but, Allen. But he was... Kobe like one of the best defensive guards in the whole league at that point. Right. Kobe always talks about how Tony Allen was like one of the toughest guys to go against. He was the toughest guy for Kobe. Okay. Well, he was the toughest guy. And so, I mean, when Kobe Bryant says about you, I mean, you know, right. So it was, it's like a different type of grit, you know, this team is a little bit more talking. I mean, they still, play pretty physical but it the other team it was like we're gonna get in your face we're not gonna say anything but you're gonna feel our presence and it just doesn't have the same feel you know as those grizzlies teams before um but you know they're still second in the west we'll see how they the rest of their season turns out still got some games to go so season standings aren't aren't set in stone just yet we'll, we'll have to see how that goes um okay I think we'll move off basketball here. Um, get to, well, 
I should say, get off pro basketball here, get to uh, some college basketball because it is March, which means it is time for March Madness. I already got to the Hawaii stuff, so we don't have to talk about that stuff anymore, uh, except for the women's, right? Because we are moving on in that aspect. But, you know, we'll start with uh, the men's. So Selection Sunday rolled around. We got games starting this week. Matt, you said you already made a bracket. I need to work on my bracket. Maybe this is the year, my miracle run year. We'll have to see. But we say that every year. Yeah, we say that every year, as so do millions of other people. Um, I I just have had a hard time, I guess. Like, I'm not following college basketball per se, but just because of you know, there's all the upsets and the NIL deals now. There's good players everywhere, right? And there's not really those one, two, three teams that look unstoppable. Even the one seeds, right, don't look like unbeatable this year. And so I think you know a little bit more than me, so I'll just kind of ask you your predictions right now. Uh, I guess we can start with the final four, Matt. You gotta you already I'm guessing you already have a bracket. So let me let's hear your your final four uh of the bracket you're most confident in. All right, most confident. Let let's start in what region is this? The South. So my first final four team. I'm gonna have to stick with Alabama. They are the number one overall seed. Brandon Miller. Their star freshman, I think him, Marcus Sasser, you could say probably the best players in college basketball. Um, they got a nice senior point guard, John Quinnerly. They're they're gonna be a tough out. And I know they have the whole allegation thing with Darius Miles and whatnot, but they are a good team. And I know they're mentally prepared to to take it all this year. So I think Alabama gets out of the South. We move to the East bracket. Purdue is the number one seed. But I do not see them coming out of this bracket because I see the Duke Blue Devils coming out as a five seed. I think they were almost disrespected in their seeding. They should have been way higher. Uh, They are rolling right now. Nine wins in a row. They just won the ACC tournament. They're clicking on all cylinders. They got a a dominant presence inside, which is why I think they're going to be able to handle the size of Purdue with Zach Eady. Um, and like Alabama, I like Jeremy Roche, who is prob- probably the only guy on the team that's played for Coach K <laughs> that's still there. But having that veteran point guard is huge to me in college basketball. So I like Duke out of the East in the Midwest. I've always been high on this team, so I'm going to stick with the one seed here. I like Houston. Marcus Sasser, he was my preseason, you could say, favorite to be player of the year. One of my preseason Final Four teams. Probably the only one that's probably lived up to the hype, thanks to North Carolina stinking it up this year. But I got Houston coming out of the Midwest. If they stay healthy, I will say that. And in the West... Probably the toughest bracket, in my opinion, with Kansas, 
uh, UCLA and Gonzaga and even a tough UConn team. But I, I'm kind of, this is the one I was like kind of going back and forth between really the three teams because I could make a case for all three of them going in. But I was going between UCLA and Kansas, but because UCLA is down Jalen Clark, who got hurt in the Pac-12 tournament, I thought is huge. it's a huge loss for them. Uh, kind of that combo guard that they need. Um, I probably would have picked them to be in the Final Four if he was healthy, but because he's not, I'm going to pick the defending champs in the Kansas Jayhawks. I think they have senior leadership in Jalen Wilson, who's kind of taken on that Ochai Abaji role, who was the senior guard last year that won the national title. So they've got that moxie. they got a young freshman, Grady Dick, who's got a young... Uh, a lot of talent there. I think he's going to be an NBA prospect at some point. So I got three number one seeds and the Duke Blue Devils as a five seed as my most confident Final Four. I like it, but I hate to tell you, they're playing Oral Roberts in the first I, round. That, and that's, yeah, that's the tough one. Because we all know this mm-hmm. Oral Roberts, the spoiler, right? So... I guess we'll move on to that'll transition us to our next topic I want to bring up here. Cinderella team, maybe, or uh kind of lower seated team that you think is gonna make a run. If you have a, more than one, that's fine. Just kind of curious uh who your upsets or Cinderellas of this tournament could turn out to be. Well, honestly, you just named one of them. <laughs> I it, it would not surprise me at all. I know I picked Duke to go to the final four. But it would not surprise me if they lost to Oral Roberts. I just think they have that charisma. Obviously, they've been there a couple years ago with that Cinderella run. And they have their guy still, Max Abesmith. When he when they went to the tournament the first time, I think he was a sophomore. And I think he led the NCAA in scoring. <laughs> so the dude is legit. He's small. But he's going to be a handful for Jeremy Roach to guard. And I think... They play so fast, and especially with Duke, right? They play a lot of with two bigs with Derek Lively and Filipowski. So if they start running and gunning and they hit their threes, Duke is going to be in trouble. And I think Oral Roberts can give, you know, Duke obviously a lot of trouble. Assuming they, if they win that game, they'll probably play Tennessee. I think they could be Tennessee as well. So wouldn't be surprising if they go back to the Sweet 16 at all. But I'm also going to say, I wouldn't say it's a Cinderella team, but Oral Roberts would probably be my my big Cinderella team as a double-digit seed. But a team that's kind of sliding under the radar to me is Creighton. They're a six seed in the South region, but I think they've got a lot of guys that, that can score the basketball. They have a big man. Uh, that kind of clogs the paint inside. They got Nemhard back from injury last year. So it wouldn't surprise me if Creighton, who's a team that's all about scoring to me, with the big man inside and Kalkbrenner, uh, I could easily see them. They could knock off Arizona to me in the Sweet 16. I wouldn't be surprised if you see them in the Elite Eight. They're, they're that good on paper. So those are my two teams to watch out for. But... Yeah, Oral Roberts, Duke, why they they would do that for for ratings. They would. 
Yeah, I gotta get those first round ratings in somehow. Um, I don't know. I'm just gonna kind of do a little bit of this. Yeah, when I pick my brackets, just gonna <laughs> just do the random it. press the random button and press then it'll the fill out your bracket for you. Yeah, I mean, not honestly, might end up doing that, and we'll see how it goes from there. But before we transition off basketball, Matt, we have to talk about our two teams that oh, we yeah. have in the women's tournament. Yes. So our school made it. We have Portland University of Portland women's basketball team back again. I believe it's their second time in the past three years that they um, won the Big West. Where are they big? WCC. Big, w, sorry. West Coast. WCC, West Coast Conference, of course. Uh, so they ended up you know, winning, and they are the 12th seed. They get number five, Oklahoma. Um, I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen too many of their games. But regardless, I will be cheering them on. And, uh, yeah, hopefully they can make a splash. Maybe upset because you know that 12 5 upset. Hey, 12 5, that's the perfect upset. That's man. the dream upset right there, right? Um, kind of keeps it close. So, you know, they've been there. This this coaching staff has experience and they've been there before. And now maybe this is the year that, uh, you know, Portland is kind of the Cinderella in that. And if it's not Portland, we can get transition <laughs> to our other team. I'm Our a little home... more confident in Portland. Oh, yeah, honest. a little bit more confident in Portland, but we transitioned to our home state uh, university, University of Hawaii. The Wahine uh, basketball team, they were able to win the Big West, uh, right, against UC, I believe it was UC Santa Barbara, right? It was Santa Barbara, yeah. Um, so they kind of got revenge, right, uh, for the men's side, I, I guess you could say. And so, um, yeah, it will be. It'll be interesting because they get to play LSU, who is the three seed. You know, a little bit tougher matchup, but we are back to back now in the Big West. So maybe you know, it's kind of same thing. We have a little bit more experience, can kind of play off of that a little bit more. I don't know. Um, you know how the LSU team is. I'm gonna assume they're pretty good, but hey, it's March. Anything can happen, right? So, LSU, I'll I'll say this: they have two losses on the season, so they're legit. And I think I don't know her name, but I think they have the SEC Player of the Year. <laughs> I think <laughs> so. They're they're in they're in for a lot. And the junk thing about the women's tournament is. The higher seeds in those first two rounds, they get to play at their home home court. <laughs> so they're basically playing a road game at LSU. Unlike the the men's where you play in more of a geographical region, but you're not playing in the opponent's home gym, you could say. So a little bit of an advantage for the higher seeds in the women's bracket. And obviously, you know, tough to be UH, be an underdog. But like you said, it's March. We've seen crazy things happen. What if they both win? That would be that would That'd be crazy. Be amazing. <laughs> I would love to see just win one. Win. That would be if yeah, that would be amazing. Um, okay, well, you know what, Matt? That was a lot of basketball and football and stuff. So let's get to some baseball because now we're really in the full swing of the World Baseball Classic. We already have two. Uh, I guess pools, you could say, are already wrapped up play, right? 
So in pool A, we have Cuba and Italy coming out of pool A. And, you know, that was a pretty Shocking. exciting pool. Those guys were all, you know, pretty close. Um, so we got those two moving on. And then we have Japan and Australia. Australia, kind of the shocker, right? Making it in mm-hmm. over Korea. I think Korea was kind of the second favorite in that group. But Japan going 4-0. Yeah, look look pretty good. And uh on the USA uh pool, they are two and one now leading the leading the pool. We'll have to see how it is after uh the rest of the games play out. I'm feeling pretty confident. Um and then you know, of course we got Venezuela kind of shocking everyone in that loaded pool D with Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. But since we are in the US of A. Let's start there with this this team. Uh, kind of got off to a slow start at first and caught up to them in that second game. Like we said, they're pitching not as strong. It's their Achilles heel, yeah. Uh, as you know, other teams like Japan's pitching staff, I would say so far. Yeah, good luck everybody. Uh, with that <laughs> pitching staff, but like i said was a little concerned we we took the loss um uh, against mexico right and luckily we we were able to squeak out that great britain win but i am feeling much more confident now after today's victory i think it was at least from what the highlights that i saw from the first two you know everyone is kind of wanted to be the guy i think a little bit um uh, and I think it's kind of natural, right? Whenever you have super teams or dream teams, it takes a while for guys to really come together as a team. And But, you know, that first inning we saw today, it's just about guys getting on, right? And let the next guy up kind of do, do their job. And we had that nine-run first inning today against um, Canada, who, who had been looking pretty good in their first game as well. So, you know, I now I'm not that worried Um I still am a little worried about the pitching, but overall, getting out of the pool, sitting at two and one, I like our chances, and I think uh, we're gonna hit our way to uh, the next round. Oh, that's the only way we're gonna advance. <laughs> we can't rely on the pitching. But I'm I'm with you. I was a little worried, especially after that Mexico loss. I wasn't sure how they're gonna respond because there's a lot of pressure now. I mean, take out today's game, you're one and one. You're the, obviously the favorite in the pool, and you can't go. You can't. Okay, I would say that that pool where everyone went two and two. That's like an exception. You're not gonna see that a lot in a WBC. So you gotta go three and one to at least advance. So it, two must-win games. They got one against Canada, which was huge. Who was undefeated at one and zero. So a huge win. Nice to actually see. The big bats kind of wake up. You know, Mookie Betts kind of tri- contributed. Mike Trout finally got in the hit column with the home run. I think Trey Turner finally got going a little bit. So the, the guys were, were getting their swings back. I think the only guy that's been really hitting was Arnado. Who's con- he's just on a tear of this on WBC. Fire right now. But yeah, US, they control, at least they control their destiny to advance. They win against Colombia on, they don't play tomorrow. So Wednesday they'll advance, but not necessarily win the pool because Mexico did beat them. So I think if Mexico wins their their rest of the games, they're going to get the top seed. 
But the thing that I'm a little, I'm worried about because I'm kind of looking ahead because I, 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 the U.S. better win, let me tell you that. <laughs> but because the U.S. right now, we have to assume that Mexico is going to win because they do play, I think they do play Great Britain still. So they have a chance to control <clears throat> their own destiny. So with the way the, the seeds match up, the U.S. might end up getting the, the runner-up in the pool, which means they could be playing Venezuela, yeah, who looks like the Venezuela, team. Venezuela, the DR, or Puerto Rico, I believe. But I, I think the thing that's... the Obviously, the DR is scary, but with the way Venezuela is, is playing, I think with the way they're hitting is what scares me, is because the U.S., we all know their pitching is not the strength, and that Venezuelan lineup is on a tear right now. You don't want to see Altuve, Alcuna, <laughs> Luis Arise, the batting title champ mm-hmm. in the AL, Salvi at cleanup. You got Jimenez, an all-star, second baseman playing short. Gleyber Torres is on that team, Santander. I mean, they're just they're loaded. So I'm a little scared if I'm the U.S. playing them. And they got Pablo Lopez and Martin Perez. So tough arms to face, but I guess it's baseball. You just got to advance in the pool. That's the first step. So now, I mean, <sighs> just I got to ask it. you on that. You know, out of the three teams, which is the team that's not going to make it at this point? I In Pool D? In Pool D, yeah. I think it's safe to say Venezuela's going to advance because they did beat the top two dogs in the division. So I, I do see them sweeping. Ooh, Puerto Rico and the DR, that's going to be a great game. Uh, it's hard to pick the, against the DR. I, I still think they're going to be the team to beat at the end. They're, they're just too complete to me. I think Puerto Rico is missing a little bit of firepower that they had. Obviously, the year that we got to see them play in the last WBC, right? Yachty's not playing anymore. He's coaching. <laughs> Carlos Correa's not playing this year, so... They're they're missing some pieces, I think. But that that DR team is just on paper. It's just so hard to pick against them. How do you not? <laughs> that is an all star team <laughs> on the field all around, from the the batters, the fielding, the pitching. They're they're loaded. <laughs> so I, I it's hard to pick. So I gotta pick the DR to advance. Okay, that's fair. I. Yeah, it's just it's. I mean, Puerto Rico's got a good team too. It's just man, they do. It's just the the brackets. I don't know how it fell that way. They should have threw one of them in the U.S. bracket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we'll have to see there. Uh, it'll be pretty interesting. But can't just brush over how dominant Japan has looked either, right? They went four and zero in their pool play, and. They look so far to me. Maybe it's a little hard because you know you can question kind of the strength of their opponents, maybe mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the pools. But at least what we've seen so far, right? Combination of pitching and hitting, uh, they look like the most complete team to me. And it's you know, it's crazy when you Darvish is not one of their top pitchers on the team, right? Uh, whenever you is not even the top three guy that's saying something about that roster, right? Uh, obviously you got Shohei and then they got the two young pitchers, uh, I believe Sasaki 
That dude and is electric. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Takahashi, I think, is the other young guy, the two young guys. But yeah, Roki Sasaki, uh, he's, well, whenever he comes to the big leagues, there will Ooh, be a bidding war. The Yankees better uh, getting that check he's, ready. He's going to bring a bidding war <laughs> himself, man. It, Yeah, he his stuff is electric. And, um, you know, probably, I mean, his fastball looks just as good as Shohei's, honestly. It's, looks it's better crazy. to me. It, it just, there's so much, like, live it's an effortless it's so 102. <laughs> yeah. And he's not a he's not as big as Shohei either, right? He's no. a little skinnier. Um just ah, it's crazy to me. But yeah, Lars we can't ignore Lars Nupar, of course. Kind of the <laughs> he's the new superstar in Japan. Um yeah, I think he's been kind of a standout guy for him for Team Japan, I should say. And happy for him because you know, kind of uh unsung guy on the cardinals but he gets to kind of be one of the guys in japan and he's just been hitting really well uh as their leadoff guy making great plays in the defense uh at center field as well so good for lars you know i just love the name lars Nupar. i think it's yeah just that's a good like name. a all-time name as well uh such a it's so easy to like remember that name and you know if they do well in japan he's gonna be i mean his this is only helping him, in my opinion, like his merch, his, you know, advertising in Japan after this, uh, even after just his pool play, uh, he's going to make a lot of money in Japan off of how he's played so far. And if he continues it even more, uh, you know how we know how well the Japanese fans kind of travel to see Shohei and when Ichiro was playing. Right. And hey, Lars, you can get yourself a whole new fan base, man. <laughs> So he keeps playing like that. Uh, yeah, it would be really, really good for him, I think. He's going to get all the Japanese people going to St. Louis now. <laughs> Crazy. It'll be in the Midwest. Be, yep, in the Midwest watching uh, Lars Nupar play. So, <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I think other than that, though, that's pretty good. Is I didn't really watch too much of the Pool A play Matt did you want to say anything about that that one I'm I'm just shocked that the Netherlands didn't make it I thought they made the semifinals the last WBC so I was kind of expecting them to advance but yeah with the tiebreakers not going their way yeah tough tough one for them especially with Xander Bogarts being kind of the star of that team obviously you want to see him on the big stage so that's probably the shocker out of that pool to me all right. Well, sounds good. Um, yeah, you just got to be worried about the Red Sox guy, right? From um, the Chinese Taipei team. That guy looked pretty good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> ain't scared of no Red Sox guys. Let's be real. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's it's, this is a longer pod, probably the longest pod we've had in a while, but mm -hmm. we had a lot to talk about, right? So had to had to be done. But Matt. Why don't you round us out here with our uh, sports fact for the day? All right. March 13th. So we'll take it back to last year. Tom Brady announced he was coming back to football after retiring <laughs> to play one more year. And we all know the rest of that story. So happy one year anniversary of unretirement, Tom. <laughs> all right. Well, sounds good. Thanks, everyone. Uh, it was a good pod. Uh, stick around for next week's one. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys soon.